0: Did she really do that? You betcha she did. Hello, and welcome back to You Betcha She Did, the podcast where female changemakers, leaders, entrepreneurs, especially from Wisconsin, share their wit and wisdom. I'm your host, Raina Merkicki. Today, I have an extra special episode right in time for Halloween. Uh, in the studio today, I have Christina Wilkie-Burbach, who is a scholar, teacher, consultant, spiritual counselor, and holistic healing facilitator with 25 years of education and experience in a whole realm of things, including psychology, spirituality, holistic healing, and natural health. In fact, she has her PhD in health psychology with a specialty in complementary and alternative medicine. Uh, What's really neat about Christina is that she's an aromatherapy, herbalism, and gardening instructor in the Midwest with over 25 years of botanical healing experience. Now, in 2008, Christina left Western psychology and she's opened up her own business called Mind, Soul, and Self, where she now specializes in women's wellness, which is perfect for listeners of You Betcha She Did and she also has her own podcast called Garden Goth. So Christina, welcome to the show. Glad to have you you here. Yay, thank you for having me. (laughs) Herbs and plants I'm always curious about, I don't know a lot about, and uh, especially from the women's health perspective. So let's just dive right into that. Are there any um, plants or herbs that you feel are, you know, vital to women's health, or does it you know, vary depending on like the age stage season of their life, like what can you tell us about that? It really depends on what someone has going
1: on. I definitely don't take a cookie cutter approach to anything with anyone, and in fact, I despise cookie cutter approaches, so I always encourage it's very individual and if anyone blanketly says like a woman should take this, a woman should take that, I would run away from them because they're they're just not even taking a look at. The whole dimensions, all persons, you know, everything going on with them. Um, And like my biggest pet peeve is Facebook doctors, where people like ask for advice on Facebook or social media, like what herb is good for this. And people just give blanket recommendations without asking someone like what's going on. How long has it been going on? What else have you done for it, et cetera? And then I really believe we need to look at the whole person. So I don't know necessarily if I can answer (laughs) your question the way you maybe want me to ask your question because I think it's so individual. Like some women, and I think we may all have similar symptoms going on, but if you do a little digging, we may have different root causes. And a big thing with me being a holistic practitioner is I think we need to take a step back and try to figure out what's the root cause. Someone might have hot flashes going on and we automatically assume it's a woman going through the change of life, but those hot flashes could be related to anxiety or they could be related to like literally being too hot, having too much heat in the body, which would be like too much hot energy for those of you who've ever heard of like Ayurveda or doshas, like too much Pitta or too much Yang energy. So women can have similar symptoms, but may have completely different root causes. So we got to take a look at what's going on, what's going on, and try to figure out like all symptoms too often are correlated. Like someone might have like a headache and they may have a stomach ache and they may have, you know, so high stress levels. And if you take a step back and try to put everyone together, almost like a puzzle, then you'll figure out, Oh, okay, maybe we just need one herb and that will address all the different symptoms that they have going on. So, you know, like some women, I think could really benefit, you know, upon talking to them, From anti-anxiety, calming, relaxing herbs, which I would call like your nervines, helping us sleep at night, you know, have a lot of stress going on with work and kids and all the other everyday things we have going on. Other women do have some hormonal things throughout the stages of life. And, you know, no matter how old we are, younger women I'm finding are having rougher periods, and I think that might be, you know, for a number of different reasons. So some of the women's herbs that are phytoestrogens, like black cohosh, and maca, and damiana, like some of those herbs could really help help put hormonal, you know, women into a little bit more hormonal balance. And then um, I think all of us just have a lot of stress. So I think everyone, no matter if you're a male or a female could really benefit from the category or the class of herbs we would call adaptogens. Like back in the day, these are the herbs that have been around and used in Chinese and Ayurvedic and natural, you know, more from the natural medicine realms for thousands of years. So those adaptogens help buffer the body against the effects of stress. So I think all of us, regardless of your gender, should be on an adaptogen. And those would be like your ginsengs. Tulsi. I think everyone should be. I kind of have when I teach my herbal classes, uh, like I said, I don't do a, a cookie cutter approach, but I do a protocol. I think everyone should consider taking a mushroom complex. I think mushroom complexes help boost all of our immune system, they help with chronic long term inflammation. So everyone should be on some sort of mushroom complex. I think everyone should be on an adaptogen. So once again, those like your ginseng, Siberian ginseng, Asian ginseng, American ginseng, Tulsi, Shisandra, Ashwagandha are some of those off the top of my head. Thirdly, I think everyone should be on a probiotic and a prebiotic to help digestion. But not only digestion, our stomach is also like the seat of our emotions, And our immune system, so good digestive health is so important. So a probiotic, a prebiotic, an anti-inflammatory. And once again, like just because I have a protocol doesn't mean I'm going to assign every single person the same herbs. We need to figure out, you know, once again, all your symptoms, your lifestyle, what might be the root cause. But I think everyone should be on an anti-inflammatory herb like turmeric, boswellia, cat's claw, devil's claw. And then having that little PRN, and that means as needed, anti-anxiety or nervine or relaxing herb to help us calm down and relax. So that's kind of my little protocol. And I think all of us, regardless of gender, could really benefit from being on some of those herbs. And then that could really, especially the adaptogens, could really replace some of the Western medicines some people might be on.
0: Where did your interest in plants and herbs come from? Was this something you've always been interested in since you were young? Or did that come out later in life? So my mom and my grandfather were very, very
1: avid gardeners. And as I got older, I discovered, like older, like in my 20s, going to college – Graduating college and start working like your first really stressful big person job, (laughs) you know, adulting so stressful. And I found nothing helped relieve my stress, and I didn't want to be on a muscle relaxer because I found in my like mid twenties when I started working a very high stress job, I had tension headaches, I had a lot of anxiety, I was having panic attacks, and of course the doctors want to put you on all these medications. And the medications made me feel weird. I didn't want to be on the medications. So I pursued... That's when I got interested in alternative medicine and natural health. And actually, the first thing that I really got into, I kind of got into things backwards. A lot of people get into... Like herbs and then essential oils. I got into essential oils, then herbs, then gardening. So, this, so I pursued essential oils to help relieve my stress and anxiety. And I found like ylang ylang and chamomile. And then, uh, you know, that led into herbalism. And then that led into me pursuing becoming a master gardener and my love of gardening. So, did everything backwards, but that's kind of the story of my life. Yeah.
0: But hey, that's all right. You got to, Find any pathway will get you there. It doesn't matter which what the order is. Speaking of gardening, then, in plants, in your mind, what would be like an ideal Wisconsin garden? Like what are some key things Ooh. that everybody should be planting? Pollinators, native plants. Yeah, do you have any favorites you want to call out in terms of like really good Wisconsin natives that do pretty well in any soil? Like sandy soil, clay soil. So focusing on native plants that are native to
1: Wisconsin, and you could even Google that, like native plants to Wisconsin and get a really nice list of plants that are indigenous to this area, like not brought in from Europe or India or Asia, literally have evolved in this area. Any indigenous native plant to Wisconsin is going to do well in any soil type. Like they literally evolved to be in this area. They're very hardy. They're really good for preventing water erosion, soil erosion. They're drought resistant, disease resistant, bug resistant, pest like resistant. So if you kill a native plant, like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, because they're just so hardy. Some of the ones that are like popping in my head of being native plants that are really unique and really attract pollinators are anise hyssop. So anise hyssop, I remember the first time I ever planted it. The first year, it was, you know, little like, oh, look at this little cute plant. The second year, it like, it like skyrocketed to be like six feet tall. And it has these really cool, tall purple flowers that bees love. Oh, the bees just love them. And it smells like licorice. And I know like some people love licorice and they don't love licorice, but you can also make a tea from the licorice leaves and flowers for yourself, for like relaxation and for digestion. So I love Anacissa. Any of your cone flowers are going to do really well here. And pretty much any native plant is good for pollinators. So I encourage everyone. I, <laughs> I teach a lot of gardening classes at me public library and I, a lot of people come to all my gardening classes. No, I'm not a fan of grass. I encourage everyone to try to do as much as possible. Get rid of your grass and have a, have a yard in, like have a garden, like a yard garden, gardens everywhere instead of having turf and grass. It's just terrible for the environment. It's a monoculture. People spend all this water, like time, watering this grass, and we're depleting resources. And spend all this time, like my neighbor in back of us, cuts his grass like four times a week.
0: Like you don't need to cut oh, your geez. grass four times a week. Well, I like that concept of a of a I, I'm gonna keep that word in my pocket. and Get yourself a in. Okay, so my next question kind of delves maybe a little bit more into the seasonal aspect of Halloween coming up and fall. Um, now I know. That you're a Wiccan and I'm not Wiccan. Are you not Wiccan? No, no, I'm not Wiccan. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Cross that out. I don't
1: like labels. I don't like labels. So Wiccan, and then we could do a whole podcast hours on end about terms and words and language. Most people think Wiccan is not even pronounced Wiccan. It's actually pronounced witchin. And it means like a a group of witches. So I know there's like the Wiccan religion, and not everyone who's a pagan or a witch is a Wiccan. I know that that's really confusing. Cool. So yeah, I am a high priestess in training with the Wiccan or Witch Family Temple. And and once again, the way we're using Wiccan or Witch just means a group of witches. And I know that's a word overall, like witch, witch, you know, a lot of people use the term Wiccan because it's like a safer word than saying witch, but it literally means the same thing. And I know so many people that's a very heavy stigmatized stereotype word is the word witch. It literally just means like a magical person. the old anglo saxon definition of wick is witchy is a is a woman w i c c e and w i c c a is a male so witchin is a group of witches, and it literally means to bend so to bend your intent to bend energy. I know Hollywood and the media has really portrayed, you know, witches in a really bad way, but most witches are nature lovers. and That's what I think
0: of. Yeah. Embracing seasonal shifts and, you know, how things are going. I'm going to bend that. Yes, I love uh, it. Now that we're heading into fall, which is one of my favorite seasons, are there certain things that you like to do to embrace... The changing of this year, you know, in, into fall. Oh, yes.
1: You know, Halloween's my favorite holiday. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think a lot of us might feel disconnected or like sad or depressed because we don't go with the ebbs and flows of nature. We like nature starts to die, to be reborn again in the spring, in the fall. And people, you know, nature slows down and animals start gathering food to hibernate for the winter. I think it's really important to realize that we're nature too. We're not separate from nature. And I think we'll feel more in tune if we go with ourselves and with everyone and everything around us, if we go with the ebbs and flow of nature. So slow down in the fall. And this is a good time to do like journaling and meditation and shadow work and artwork and, you know, hermit a little bit. It's okay because we're so busy in the summer when it's so fiery and active, like going out, doing things. But I really recommend that people kind of slow down in the winter and it's okay to like eat a little bit more. It's okay to like want to sleep and rest and relax and not feel guilty for doing those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know I love that's what I love about fall and winter too. It's like a chance to like hibernate. Like you get cozy and it's quiet and you just can think and you can work on projects and I love that whole vibe because yeah, the summer is so it's so awesome, but so busy, kind of manic. That by the time this season comes around, I'm ready to be like exhale. Yeah, <laughs> like, we are. Yes.
1: <laughs> it's okay to nap. It's okay to eat a little bit more. Like nature is
0: sleeping, so it's okay for us to slow down too. Well, tell us a little bit more about um, what you offer through your business, your classes. I know it's like a wide variety of things. So let's let our listeners know.
1: So my business, like when it started in 2008 to what it is now, has gone through several evolutions. And I'm actually in the process right now of rebranding again, focusing a little bit more like, yeah, I'm a holistic practitioner. But through my work, I have found I really think a lot of root causes of things are spiritual. Feeling disconnected, feeling like you don't have a purpose or a passion or a reason for existing. So, I'm definitely, I'm actually just rebranded, got a new logo, just put some of that stuff up on my website. So, actively rebranding right now to focus a little bit more on the spiritual aspect. So, I am a spiritual or a spiritual paranormal psychologist. So, you know, I kind of use those words interchangeably. And the thing about me is I have been trained in transpersonal psychology. So my form of psychology is a little bit more unique. I don't believe in labels. I don't believe in diagnoses. I think those are really limiting. When someone gets a label, they can never escape it. And I think that prevents some people from seeking help. And I also, too, think like we can heal from our deepest wounds. So when you give someone a label, it implies that you're like you're stuck. You You can't do anything to break through that label. So the main thing that I do is help women in particular weed through like what are these mental health symptoms that I have going on? Anxiety, depression, sadness, feeling like I don't belong or I don't fit in. And what is really a spiritual awakening? versus mental health. And also, I also kind of coined this term many years ago, said with love in my heart, like there's a fine line between psychic and psycho. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people have intuitive experiences. You know, they're talking to their loved ones who passed away or their spirit guides, their higher self. And if you tell the wrong person what you're doing, they might say, oh, hey, you're bipolar or you're schizophrenic. So, transpersonal psychology doesn't label people and doesn't look at mental health the same way that abnormal psychology does. So, a lot of my work focuses on helping people, women, find their purpose, their passion, their reason for existing. Why did you reincarnate in this lifetime? What are you here to do? And then kind of weeding through, like, like basically, for lack of a better word, like, psychic development, And I think a lot of symptoms people are having are really spiritual, like spiritual, metaphysical, paranormal things going on, but we just don't understand it. And the wrong person gives them a label. I do have a monthly online and and it's online. Like it went online because of COVID, but then people from all over the place started coming. So I kept it online. It will always be online. A monthly, I call it the modern mystic, a monthly support group, develop, spiritual development group, spiritual awakening group for women. So we meet once a month and on a Wednesday evening. And that's like a big focus on my business right now. Is like focusing, nurturing, and mentoring the modern mystic. You're not odd, weird, or strange because you talk to plants and they talk back. You're not odd, weird, or strange because you are connected to your spirit guides. In fact, I think... That's very normal, and that's the way our ancestors used to be. And when did connecting to spirit and the divine become odd, weird, or strange or abnormal? So, so the modern mystic is like really what I'm rebranding into is to is to nurture the the modern mystic, those magical, you know,
0: witchy spiritual women. I think they're true. There's so many things that are unexplained, and then once we tune into them, it's like, oh, there's a connection here, or there's a connection there, but. We're kind of taught to not, you know, to ignore it. But then once you kind of dig in, you're like, oh, look at all these layers. Yes. Going on here. It's like an onion. Yeah, (laughs) peel that onion. Here we go. (laughs) Do you have anything going, coming up this fall or winter, like in terms of classes or workshops that um, our listeners should know about? So part of my
1: rebranding is moving into a membership platform where people can pay. A flat fee per month for a membership and have access to all my back catalog of online classes. I probably, and I'm not joking, have almost a thousand already recorded online classes on a variety of topics from gardening, herbal medicine, the chakras, energy work, astrology, tarot. Like I have so many classes already recorded like online classes. And then I have new offerings every month. So the online membership platform will give people to all the access, you know, access all the past classes and then the current ones. Uh, Like I said, I have my monthly modern mystic group. So we meet every month, roughly the second Wednesday, all those dates are on my website of the month. I have lots of fairs and markets coming up. And that's something in my rebranding that I love, I love, I love. Because I also identify as an artist making products like I make botanical jewelry. I have like rings made from like plants and, and necklaces made from plants. I also make divination tools like pendulums and tarot cards. And I hope to have a deck of my own oracle cards out later this year. And then I am a... Um, an organizer for Krampus, which is a huge, so in German lore, Krampus is like, I don't know if you're familiar with it, like the opposite of Santa. He, he punishes naughty children and naughty adults. So there's a whole festival in Milwaukee and it is like a big deal. It's the whole Pabst brewery era downtown Milwaukee. There's like a parade, there are multiple like buildings, there's performances, bands, vending, like, so I'm an organizer of that event. So that is this, like, I think Sunday, December 3rd or 4th, whatever that first Sunday is in December. So lots lots of markets and lots of fairs. And that's just something because I love meeting people. I love socializing and networking. And I love being with other people who are like-minded. There's just something special when someone's like dabbling in their spirituality and they walk into this event where it's like acceptable to be your authentic self, to like all the little weird things you like because everyone there likes them too. Well
0: speaking of finding you, uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast Garden Goth. Yeah,
1: So my podcast Garden Goth is on Spotify and it was originally produced. So I was a guest on someone's podcast who worked at me Public library and then they offered me my own podcast. So for about two years me public library produced my podcast. and then I, I wanted I started dabbling like moving into some topics that they were not necessarily comfortable with. And I wanted full control. So I took over earlier in the summertime production of my own podcast. So my podcast is called Garden Goth. And it's a three segment podcast. The first segment explores living a big, bold life. How are you authentic? What's on your bucket list? What are all the beautiful, amazing things that you've done in your life? The second section is death and dying and other taboo and stigmatized things. And then the third sec- the third segment is the horticultural plant segment, because I think nothing illustrates the cycle of life and death better than plants and like the circle of the seasons and the circle of the sun. A lot of it is like, um, I feel like I'm meant to help people realize that death and life are like the same, co- the same side, two different sides of the same coin and that you can't have one with the other. Because I don't know, most people don't realize this, but what I do for my day job is I am a cemetery and I work at a cemetery full time as a family service counselor, helping people plan for their death and helping people and families when a loved one dies, planning their, helping them plan their funeral and their death arrangements. So I, I believe like, like momento more, momento vivere, like live a big, bold life because you're going to die. So my podcast kind of focuses on that, but also like helping demystify other stigmatized things like what is witchcraft and what is the paranormal and what are hauntings and so forth.
0: Yeah, I really like what you said there about life and death being two sides of the same coin because it's like you can't, you can have creation, but you also need to have destruction and they just, they go hand in hand and it's less we shy away from the darker side, the more we'll be able to handle it and go through it easier. You know what I mean? I think in America it's so stigmatized that people don't talk about it and they don't want to embrace it. And then when someone they know dies, it's they're kind of blocked, you know, they don't know Absolutely. what to do. Absolutely. So. I see it every single day. Yeah. And, I, bet. And I bet you do. But like But I
1: literally like right before the podcast was talking to a family. This woman has stage four breast cancer She's chosen to stop treatment, and she is actively dying. And I'm like, come on, Pam, let's plan. Let's plan your afterlife wishes. She's like, I can't. Well, well, then that is really disrespectful. I hate to be blunt, but it's really disrespectful because you're leaving that burden for your family to do on the worst day of their life. When your loved one passes away, your family should not be making decisions about, oh, does mom want to be cremated or she want to be a casket burial. So I think reflecting upon, like planning for your death helps you reflect upon the amazing life you've lived. And if there are some things you haven't done yet, it's an opportunity to get those on your bucket list and get out there and do them. Like live a big, bold life because we will all die. It is absolutely 100% guaranteed.
0: Yeah. No one's getting out of here alive. (laughs) We're all dying. (laughs) So if there's like something you
1: want to do, do it. If there's someone you need to say, Hey, I love you. Tell them you love them. Like do all the things that make your heart happy because we never know when our last day might be. So live a, live a big bold life. And that's what I focus on in my job and my, my job working at the cemetery and my podcast
0: Yeah, I love that. Hallelujah to that. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) Well, on that note, um, Christina, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll have everything linked in the show notes if you want to get in touch with Christina or check out her classes or check out her podcast. As always, thank you for listening to You Betcha She Did. If you like what you heard, don't forget to share it with a friend, a sister, a neighbor, a cousin. You never know who's going to need this information. and need it now. So thank you for sharing. Uh, Leave us a positive review and take care of yourselves. Until next time. Attention, you betcha-sheeted listeners. If you're like me, you love listening to podcasts, and perhaps you have even thought of starting your own podcast. If that is the case, I would love for you to download my free Top 10 Podcasting Equipment Essentials. Here you will find my recommendations for 10 pieces of podcasting equipment that will help you get a podcast up and running smoothly without breaking the bank. That's right. Podcasting does not have to be a super expensive endeavor. It's actually quite affordable and is a great way to elevate your voice, grow your brand, and get your name out there, especially as an expert. Check the show notes for your free podcast top 10 essential equipment guide. You can also go to podcaststartupguide.com.